earlier this morning, Pastor Jose asked me to take a letter. We're doing the seven letters to the churches in, in um, Revelation, and he asked me to take one of them. So we are on letter number five. And now that I, I once I wrote it and once I heard, I was like, ooh, which, which church is it? Which church am I going to do? And you're going to find out in a moment, and then you're going to understand why he probably asked me to do this church, be, to do this letter, besides the fact that he probably just wanted to sit down and take a break. So I pinch it for him, and I'm here, right? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm honored to, to, to be bringing the word this morning. So as we continue this series, um, and we've been learning and digging into these letters, and I hope that you're going back. If you haven't, please, 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 please do so. It's very telling of what's happening today. We can see parallels of what's going on. And, and we see how these churches, they endured pressures, not only from the outside, but from within. Okay, sometimes we're only thinking that, that the enemy outside, well, the devil can come to church too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pressures that pose a great threat to their faith in their church, their morals, the values, and their influence as the church of Jesus Christ. We see that today. Lots of things coming against what we believe, our values what we stand on and, and and some of it is to cause you to fold to cause you to take a step back to cause you to deny all right when enough pressure hits are you going to deny or are you going to stand i didn't say this first service but i just thought of this now we used to tell this to the teens uh when we were when pastor jose and i used to uh, work with teens they said if they came in the room and they looked for all the christians would they know that you were one Think about that. We can learn a lot from these churches and apply the word so that as the body, the church body now, we won't fall into the same traps. It's time to wake up. Can we say that? Wake up! Yeah. Amen. Today I'm going to talk to you on the topic of the living dead church. The living dead. Now think about that, right? So we're going to go with Revelations 3. Revelation 3, 1 through 17, okay? And this is the next letter. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay? So Pastor Jose has been giving you some background to these, to these churches, so I want to give you a little bit of background as well to the city of Sardis. Now, this city was only 35 miles south east from Thyatira. I always want to say it different, right? It was, so, it was a surrounding area. So if you look and you do a, a, a search on it, 
they were like in a circle, all those different churches. No wonder. I mean, I was thinking this. I said, God, was there like church hopping happening along? Because they were all struggling and some were faithful and they were hopping. Who knows? There was only 35 miles, right? But this particular city was surrounded by area of water by the, um, by the river Pactolus. The river was known for its golden sands. It sounds like a resort. It helped, you know, it helped them be prosperous. There was gold there. There's even a story about the Midas touch with the gold. You ever heard about that? They said that they were the first ones to mint coins and things like that. So it helped the city to be prosperous with gold and everything that was found near its banks. Sardis had become famous for their abilities in the arts and crafts. So they were very craft, um, crafty. Their jewelry was renowned throughout the empire. Everybody, all the ladies wanted the finest jewelry from Sardis. Ladies, you, that was your cue right there. Okay. The city was famous also for its fruits and wool and textile. And, the, and, and all of this, they had all this greatness, but its greatness lied in the past. Sardis had at one time been considered to be invincible because of its ideal location. It sat on a hill, um, a mountain surrounded by a steep cliff, almost impossible to scale with only one narrow way of approach. Now remember that narrow way. Yet Sardis had been attacked and conquered twice because of its arrogance uh, manifested in its lack of watchfulness. Sardis was devoted to the worship of goddesses as well. This, this goddess, uh, Sabel, I guess is the way you call it, her worship was one of the most degrading of character. Now, you may say, like, oh, that's, that's wow, that, that's happening today in different forms. See, the enemy, he's an, he doesn't do anything new. It's the same thing over and over and over again. They were practicing orgies and different types of things that these festivals held in her honor. The sins of the foulest and darkest impurity were committed on those occasions. And in the midst of that, there was a community of believers. In the midst of all of that, there was Christians rescued from such repulsive idolatry that were living in the midst of the scenes of the grossest wickedness. And all of it was exerting a force trying to, to, to pull them away in the direction of this paganism, of this heathenism. Sounds like today, no? It's no wonder man, that we even found a few members of the church, like the letter said, that were not drawn away altogether and swallowed up by this great vortex of this force trying to take them away. And it's the reason why Jesus addresses the church of Sardis. From the outside, the church looked good. Yes, I belong to Sardis. Sardis is my church. That's where I go. But they were living dead, were asleep. And the Lord wanted them to wake up, wake up. So my first point today that I want to leave you, I'm going to share with you is what God sees is greater. What God sees is greater. See, Jesus levels one of the harshest criticism um, yet against the congregation of followers in this great city of Sardis. He states, I'm well aware of all your deeds. Now, the deeds there was their performances, their actions, their conducts. Could it have been, and I, as I was thinking about this and I was reviewing my notes last night, I said, Lord, everything that you did was motivated by love. Everything. Everything we see in the Bible is his, is his love. I said, could it have been that maybe they were giving because they were rich and maybe they, were, they, were, they had um, crafts and all these things and they were doing all these things, but it had, there was no love in it. 
See, those things that they were doing announced a good reputation, probably amongst all the other congregations around, among the other cities. But it was nothing more than a smokescreen that simply did not impress God. God wasn't impressed with it. See, God's not impressed by the things that we do in the name of trying to make a name for ourselves. See, God sees what we do and why we do it. He knows. You can fool some people, but you can't fool God. See, the reputation they obtained did not at all agree to the inner reality that Christ was able to see. See, we look at people from the outside and judge, oh, yeah, they look all together. They look all good. But, but visit their house and there's a hot mess. Although they were active, they were dead. And they were not fooling God. The Lord was watching, and he said, I see right through your work. See, because you make a name for yourself doesn't mean you're alive. A lot of people making names for themselves. We see it all the time. All these stars, teens, you, you know, you're joining us this morning. All these famous people that they follow. All the people, famous people on TV that so many people follow. And they're supposed to be so good. And they're so rich. And they have everything. And their lives are a mess. They're not alive. See, a name carries with it both reputation and character. When people hear your name mentioned, what do they think? What comes to mind? Do they think, oh, yeah, great person, faithful, loving, oh, giving? Or do they, do they think lazy, bochinchosa, gossiper, oh, slanderer, oh, no way, I ain't going, no, don't even go there with that one. Seriously, what do they think? Right? <laughs> that was a good one. All right. <laughs> it's about your reputation. See, a good name speaks to your integrity. It's about your reputation and the character you possess inside. It identifies who you are from a moral and ethical standpoint. The church had a name. It had a reputation of being alive. They were making a name for themselves like many do today. Many big churches, many big places. Now, I'm not knocking any church. Listen, at the end of the day, they're going to answer to God, not me. But just because it's big and it looks good doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's godly. It had nothing to do with the Lord. You know why? They were relying on themselves. They were professing Christians engaged in religious activity. We know that. Carnal believers. Oh, I believe in God, but you're still acting out in your flesh, your will, your emotions, right? They started off good, but failed to move any further and grow. They got stuck at one place and never grew. They were active, engaged, engaged in works because God, you know, he, Jesus says it. But they were dead in their fellowship with Christ. What is it good for you to volunteer and do all these good things and come to church and, 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 and you know, and, oh, yeah, you're doing good works, but your fellowship with Christ is, is lacking? There's, there's, yeah, there's no life in that. They had the knowledge of the truth, but were not practicing it. I'm going to give you, you know, something that the Lord showed me back in 2016. 
The Lord speaks to me um, in dreams sometimes, in visions that I get from him. And there was one time we were still living in New Windsor at that time. And I was, um, I was just worshiping. I was just praising God. I was just meditating and spending time with him. And I was praying for the area and just praying for whatever God had, you know, laid on on Pastor Jose's heart. And I had a vision, very vivid, vivid vision, that I was standing outside of Broadway. And I was like in, almost like in the middle of the street. And I was looking around, and people were just about their business, doing whatever. And, and I look towards the Hudson, and I'm looking towards the Hudson, and I see the waters moving. And I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? But is anybody else, like, looking at Anybody is seeing this? And as the waters moved, the waters kept roaring more and more and more. And as they kept roaring, it was starting to grow. And as the waters grew, it, it just turned into this, this big tsunami, like a wave. And when the wave went, oh, I mean, it was high, it was big, it was large, it was like, whoa. And on it was written the word truth. And when I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at everybody around, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's about to hit us. What's going to happen? And all of a sudden, the wave just came. And if you've ever been down by the, you know, went by the tracks all the way up, I mean, it just crashed down. Truth. And when it came, it, it went running all the way up, all the side streets, uh, you know, uh, Liberty, everything, everything, just all the seats. It just started filling up every street. And those that were in truth were, were like wading in it like if you were in a pool on a hot summer day. It's almost like you had a little ring, and it was like, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wait, we're not, oh, wow, this is nice. But in the very truth, there were others who were drowning and crushed by it. And when I saw that, I was like, but, but, but God, and now I'm, I'm, but Lord, I see there are churches drowning in there. How can that be? This is why. This is what happens to those who drift away from the truth. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy. This is Paul talking to Timothy. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Are we not in difficult times, everybody? But be of good cheer. We overcome. For people will love only themselves and their money. Ooh, don't talk about people's money. Mm-mm. Don't do that. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. We're seeing that now. Disobedient to their parents. Listen up, teenagers. Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others, have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Didn't we just see this whole, the, the whole summer calling good evil and evil good? It was twisted. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now, this is verse 5. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. It's one thing about being, acting religious and doing religious activity. That's not what God wants. We're representative of the king. He wants the godly character to come out. Stay, and this is what the Bible says. Stay away from people like that crushed in the very truth that was to set them free. In other words, they had a form of godliness, 
a facade of religion, but denied its power. And, it's, and, and I look at it like this. It's those little things sometimes, those little things that we allow in, those little TV shows that we watch that corrupt, those little friends that come in. I'm not doing nothing. They could do it if, as long as I'm not doing, but you're there. The hidden things that consume the heart, that deny entrance of God's word in the very areas where you need to be set free. Don't you think the enemy knows that? And he'll lure you right in that same area. Don't you ever find that it's the same thing you're dealing with? <laughs> and this is the answer. Look at verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Turn around. But if you don't wake up, if you keep doing that and you keep going there and you keep allowing that, it will come, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. See, those in the church of Sardis, they desperately needed to wake up and repent. And so do we. This is the same message Jesus has for religious people everywhere. Stop playing church. You are the church as a believer, right? Wake up and obey. It's not just hearing the word and coming to church, but it's doing something with the word, obeying it. Where have we lost the part of obeying the word? Just because we're living under this dispensation of grace doesn't mean you just do whatever you want to do. Especially when you know Christ and you have a relationship with him. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to want to do those things. If they fall away. You go, man, at one time I did that? No, I don't want to. I don't want to watch that Basketball Wives anymore. <laughs> See, I pick on y'all because I know y'all watch that. <laughs> Jesus, come on, Jesus. I don't watch it. I don't know nothing about it, but somebody told me they watch it, so I just mentioned it at, at both services. <laughs> Pastor Jose, let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Watching the things that we're watching, ingesting the junk is what I'm trying to say. Garbage, garbage in, garbage out. Remember that? Wow. Those things that come, he wants you to heed his word. See, that's why you, you, you're living because spiritually you're alive, but you're walking in dead things. You're operating in dead things. You're allowing dead things to come in. You're allowing dead people to influence you. How can you allow dead people? How can anyone that's not alive in Christ have influence in your life? How? Run into this one for the answer. Run into this. I was going to say Oprah, but she's, she's not relative anymore. Right, run into this one. You run to people. Run to Jesus. In the book of Luke, well, he says, wake up and obey what you have heard before it's too late. Repent. Believe the good news. Believe is the operative word. Ready? In the book of Luke, we see an example of this in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. In the parable, you know, this man, he was so rich. He was, I mean, clothed in purple and splendid and fine linens. He lived every day in luxury, consumed by it all, consumed by the, by the way and the things in the world. 
And then, the, I mean, and I put down, the force drawing him away from bearing good fruit and doing the right thing. His consumption of everything else. At his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps from the rich man's table. And the dogs would come and lick his, his sores. So let's go to Luke 16, 22. And through, uh, through 31. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. Now there, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far dis distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send them to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in the place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And I love this verse 31. But Abraham said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets and the preacher and the teacher and everyone telling them, they won't, I just added that, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. The book has been written. The word is ours. It is there. Jesus came as the word made flesh. And if you're not listening right now to the word, what makes you think that? I mean, we could send a thousand preachers to preach the word of God. And if you're not listening to it now, you're never going to listen to it. You're never going to receive it and do what it says. How much more? You're looking for the next best thing. Well, the best thing is already the bestseller was already written. It has the answers to everything you need. No amount of self-help is going to help you. Jesus is the only one that can help you. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the teacher. He will direct you. He will guide you. He will point you to all truth. Come on. Here we see a great example. Someone having it all but doing nothing with it, refusing to listen and to heed to the word of God, not the word of men. Christians are known by the fruit they bear. Are you bearing fruit? Ask yourself that. I'm talking about the living dead church. Are you yourself bearing fruit? Because we should be known by the fruit that we bear. See, the Holy Spirit's residence in your heart, when, when you became alive again, when this is, you know, the whole thing come alive. When you gave your heart to the Lord, we were once dead. You were once in darkness. Then you've been translated into the light. So now that the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. I used to share this with the teens all the time. He goes everywhere with you, even in the bathroom. They were like, in the bathroom? I was like, yes, he's there. 
He's with you. He's everywhere. So watch what you're doing. They're like, ooh, okay. His residence is in your heart. He will most certainly impact how you live and what you do. When the Holy Spirit, you know, he will impact. Again, you're not going to be able to watch certain things anymore because there is, no, there is nothing in that. It's all dead to you. Sometimes I'll just put on, like, I don't even know why we, I mean, we cut the cable a long time ago. Let me tell you, it'll set you free. You'll save 109, whatever dollars it is. I don't even know what the bill is now because my bill is like, what, $65 for internet and whatever um, apps we use or whatever. I save a lot of money. And I'm not filling myself up with junk. I choose what I want to watch. I choose if there's a show that I want to see, and I choose what is going to be, uh, what I'm going to let my eyes um, partake of. I'm going to choose what's coming into my heart. I'm going to choose what's, because not all of it is good for me. Especially, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. It's important. This is why it's important to, to remember and think on what you've received. He wrote that in the the letter, the message you heard with your ears. What was the message? I'm glad you asked me. The message was Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, Therefore, we never stop thanking God. When you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is, and the word continues to work in you who believe. The word is not going to work if you don't believe. But for those that believe, the word will work. The problem is some of you are not working the word. Okay? The message is not only meant to be relevant, it's meant to be revealing. We want the word to fit our lives. We want the word to be relevant to my situation. I'm looking and digging in the word for my my marriage problems. I look in the word, and that's the only time you look for the word. When I have problems with my children, when I have problems in my job, when I need an answer, when you should be continually, continually, continually in the word, in relationship with the word, so that by the time, if that even comes, that problem's already solved. It is not an issue. It is not an issue because the word will cause me to be fully persuaded. We talked about this in Kingdom Foundations 1, the class that, I was, that I'm teaching. Pastor Jose uh, teaches Kingdom Foundations 2. And we talked about this, about being fully persuaded. I am fully persuaded that God's word works. I have proven it. I have seen it in my life. I have seen what it, done, it has done to our family. I've seen what it's done to my children. I see, listen, we're a house serving the Lord together. I've seen God's work. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen healings take place. I've seen it. My own eyes. I've seen it. So I am fully persuaded. There is no persuading me that it doesn't work. Because I'm going to look at you like that. Two heads. You're bugging. Just to take it old school. You know what I'm saying? All right. The word continually works. Have you forgotten it? That's how you become asleep. That's how you become dead. You're alive, but dead. 
the history of Sardis had its vivid examples of what happens to those whose watch is slack or who forget. You know what happens? They get overtaken. When you're not watchful, have you had that time when you wasn't watchful and something came and the blow, pff, ooh, that hurt. Ooh, that caught me off guard. You get overtaken. And if you're not careful, if you're not watchful, it will take you to a place so far away from God. And this is what he says in verse 2. Let's go back there. Wake up. Wake up, church. Wake up, people. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. See, it wasn't all dead yet, but you have to strengthen it. He's not saying, I'm not going to do it for you. You got to strengthen it. How do you strengthen it? With the word. He says, strengthen it. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Christians and people, believers, are continually under that force, just like they were back there in Sardis. The, you know, the enemy trying to seduce you away, trying to take you away from your loyalty in Christ. Teens, let me tell you something right now. There's a world out there that is trying to seduce every single one of you away from God. And some of you up there, you think, oh, my mom makes me come to church. You better thank your mom she makes you come to church. You better thank your dad they make you come to hear the truth that will set you free. I was once a teenager just like you, and I was on fire for God, and, I, and, I, and I, was, I was the one that when the church opened, I was there. and the church closed, I was there, and I was serving, and I was seeking. But there was outside forces trying to take me away. And at times, I fell. At times, I did go. I, sometimes, I, I just let my guard down. But you know what the good thing about God and his grace and his mercy? That I was able to dust myself off, pick myself back up, repent, turn around, and follow after God. It's the same thing today. The only thing is, I'm going to tell you right now, teens, you, got, you have it a little worse than I did. Because now they're imposing ideas against you and your gender and your identity and who you are in Christ. And it's okay. They could write me. Listen, write me a letter. I'll read it if I want. I'm going to tell you right now, there's only two genders, a male and a female. That's it. No confusion in that. God's not confused. God knows what he's done. He created us in his image. He created us in his likeness. And when they come against you, not only the teens but the church, when they're coming against you, get like David. To the giant that came, Goliath. What? You uncircumcised Philistine? Uncircumcised Philistine? You have no relation with God, yet you come against me? You come against me with your arrows, but I come against you in the name of Jesus, Lord. Where is, where is the awakened church that dares to believe? So worried about censorship. So worried that they're going to take your, take your stuff away. Take the stuff away. Take it away. I don't care. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Just so that we can look like everybody else, so we can act like everybody else. No. No. They're trying to lure you away. But this is what Romans 3, 13, 11 says. It says, Paul says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. 
For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we, any believers in the house, we belong to the day. We must live, live decent lives for all to see. See, your life, whether you know it or not, is a billboard on display to the world. Young adults, it's the same thing. Your lives are, they're trying to dupe you and take you in another direction, especially when you go to college. Oh, I'm just going to go there. I love you. You love me. Okay, listen. When you go to college... And my son and my daughter, they went to college and they had to come against people coming against their faith. What are you going to do when you're sitting there and the professor's telling you in your face, there is no God? What are you going to do? Are you going to back down and coward and just say, yeah, I'm not going to say nothing? When they come against what you believe, I used to have conversations with my son, Josh. He's the, the, the drummer here at the church and, and he works with the teens and and he would tell mom, and they would come against me. And Josh would say, I, and, and I went right back and told that professor, um, excuse me, no, that's not what I believe. And it didn't matter if they gave him a lower grade. It didn't matter. He stood on what he believed. And I didn't say that first service, but maybe there's a young adult here and you're struggling. Don't be ashamed of God. God is not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed. You stand on the faith. We belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living. There's a reason why God is telling us not to do that. You open doors that I'm telling you you don't want to walk through. Or in quarreling and jealousy. The Bible says where there's strife and all that, that evil, that's where the enemy is, right there. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge your evil desires. When the thought comes, because you know this, this soul of ours, this mind and will, emotions, it remembers. Sometimes you know, it tries to draw you back. But you know how you come against a thought with a thought? You come against that thought with a thought, and this is the thought, the thought of God's word. When the thought comes, oh, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm, no, no, no. But God says that I am a holy nation. I am a royal priesthood. I have no business there, so I'm going to stand on his word, whatever the situation is. But if you don't know the word, how can you come back? You can't do it by mere, um, what is that, willpower. I'm going to will. I'm not going to do it. Phone a friend. Keep me accountable. It's the word. It's the word. Listen, watchfulness should be a constant attitude of the Christian life. Christianity is not a part-time thing. We're not Christians on Sunday. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to church. And then Monday through Friday and Saturday, you're living like you're in hell. Like you're just like, woo, everything goes. Hallelujah. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Matter of fact, going to church is not serving God either. 
Okay, everybody's so quiet. All right. Let me just turn around. Don't throw the darts. The one who believes in the finished works of Christ, who received his free gift and is obedient to his word, the one walking after him, those are the ones that are the Christians that should be standing because there were few people in in Sardis who remained faithful who had not spoiled their clothes. They were finishing what they had started. You know how many people come to us and say, I'm with you, pastors, yay! Yes, I'm with you. Yes, this is my church. And, and then it's like, where are you? I thought you were with us. We needed somebody to clean the toilets. Oh, yeah. You know, my sister's husband's brother has. I needed someone to help us take these food, this food to the, the homeless shelter. I need someone to. I'm with you. Dead. There was a few that had remained faithful. I love what verse 4 says it, but in the message um, version. It says, you still have a few followers of Jesus in Sardis who haven't ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of the world's ways. They were the ones that heeded God. They were the ones that watched against temptation. Temptation waits for unguarded moments and then attacks. It's interesting that he wrote that there because in Sardis, I told you earlier, they were so high and so in that mountain that the enemy kept trying to figure out how to get in and attack them. And it it wasn't only until the, the soldier that was up there had dropped his helmet, the story says, And when he dropped it and went down to get it, and when he dropped his guard and went down to get it, he showed the enemy the path to get in. Do you see that? When when he dropped his helmet, it was a narrow way, he showed the enemy how to get in. If you don't remain watchful, okay, this is what the word says. Jesus put it this way, watch and pray. That you may not enter in temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't drop your guard. These were the ones that remained awake. Paul said, let us not sleep as others do. And and, uh, he wrote this uh, to the Thessalonians. He said, let us keep awake awake and be sober. Let us keep awake and be sober. Listen, you have, I just, you know, the Holy Spirit is just speaking to me. You can continue, and if this, if this, if this is you, I want to encourage you. I'm not condemning you, but I'm encouraging you, and I'm trying to lift you up today to get out of that sleep state. You can continue in the way that you're going. You can continue with your fears. You can continue with your doubts. You can continue. You, 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 listen, you can. But if you finally want to get out of that state and you finally want to live the life that he came to give us, an abundant, free life, because the Bible says whom the son says free is free indeed. And if you want to walk in that, then you need to start waking yourself up and say, I have to start doing something with this. Another thing that they did is they guarded themselves. Paul warns us about these wolves invading the flock from the inside. Don't think that it's just from the outside because there's wolves right in the church. 
Trust me, we've seen a few. I love what Pastor Jose tells me that the sheep bite hard. They do. But look at what Paul says, Acts 20, 29 to 31. Guard, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. Now, I want to stop right there. Pastor Jose's, he's the lead pastor. His job, what he does is to feed and shepherd the flock. Your job is to receive the meal and eat it. I can't eat it for you. He can't eat it for you. And to go back and, and just take that nourishment from that and continually feed yourself from that. He wants to shepherd you the right way. But sometimes people don't want that. They want, to, they want it to be, again, relevant to what they want and how they want it and to go where they want to go. And, do, and th- we're not going to do that. We have people come in here trying to tell us how to do things. Criticizing every little thing. And my loving self. I'm loving. Right? I smile and go, thank you so much. Love you. Because <laughs> unless you're the man of God that, oh, you know, the, the, the head is right here. He placed it already. And if you, this is not your flock, amen. We're still a body. But maybe this is the flock where God wants you to grow. See, he says, feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood. At the end of the day, you belong to no one but to Christ. Over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Now, I know false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. Someone asked me just yesterday, pastors, do you ever cry? And I said, yes, I do. Well, you guys see me. I cry all the time, right? Because I love the Lord. And those are not tears of sadness. But she asked me, do you ever cry? And I said, I do. You know when I cry? I cry because I know, like I told you earlier, I am fully persuaded of what God can do in your life. I know God's word. I've seen it done time and time again. I am fully persuaded. And when I cry, it's because other, when I see that you're not fully persuaded. When I see people that have come in and we have shepherd and we have love and then they go out and for some reason or another they get drawn away and their life becomes a, you know, just a mess and you see them going and going backwards. That's when I cry. Because I see the heart of the father. And I see his heart for his children. And, it's, and I have a heart of compassion. But then I do this. I snap myself out of that. And I said, but Father, I know that you are faithful. And I know this, that the work you started in them, you shall complete it. And maybe we were just the ones to put the seed or water it, but you're the one that causes the increase. And I thank you for them, Lord. And then I rejoice. Because although I may be seeing what's happening right now, I've, I've been, we've done this so long that we know what the end result will be. 
God is faithful. God is faithful. So he was not only warning them, but he's warning us. This is one of the warnings. Heed the word and listen to the spirit. Heed the word. The answer, as always, is centered in Christ the Savior. We see it right in the beginning of the letter and at the end. The answer, he wrote the letter and he gave them the answer. Here we go. Go to Revelation 3, 1 and 6. These are the words of him, Christ, who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the answer, there was two aspects right there of Christ's ministry to the church. And he immediately brings it to the forefront because they give us the key to both the problem of the church and its solution. Are you ready for this? Part of the problem then and today now is that there are believers in the church that forsake the word of God. And they quench the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You have, as a believer, the greater one on the inside of you. Teens, you believe God? If you confess him as your Lord and Savior, then you have the greater one on the inside of you. As a teenager, we would do things, go out. I mean, listen, as a teenager, we were laying hands on, on people. They were getting healed. We would go to juvenile detention centers as a teenager with armed guards all around us. And I would, we would walk in there and they would give us opportunity to come in. And we would go in and we, we would see people. And one time I saw this young man with crutches and his leg was broken. And I was like, oh, I want to go. Pray. I want to go pray. I want to go pray for him. And, 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 the, and the guards were there and I was like, but I don't want to get shot. So I don't just go. So I was just like, and I asked my leader, and they said, they asked, and they said, yes. And we lay hands on that young man, and he got healed right there. He took the crutches off, was able to step down, and he was like bawling. I share that with you, teens, because don't let no one despise you because you're young. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Bible says that you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So you keep believing and trusting God. He will use you greatly. If you not bend, if you not look to the left or not look to the right, but keep your eyes on him and let him lead your life. And let him point you, continue to, to, to point you to truth so that you may be the man and the woman that he created you to be. We quench the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I don't understand why. Well, you know what? I do understand because we don't know the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what, what Christ, we just know he died on the cross for me. But there's more. Look at Isaiah 11. Look at Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. It says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's talking about Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. You need wisdom. You need understanding. Jesus is your answer. And, this, and the, um, the spirit of counsel and might. You need counsel? Real good counsel? Go to Jesus. You need strength? Go to Jesus. He says when you're weak, then you're made strong in him. 
the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, they're all in him. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He never did anything that he didn't see his father do, that his father didn't tell him to do. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. Do you remember when David came on the scene and the brothers were like, oh, they, you know, they were trying to pick the new king. They're like, oh, no, no not him. He, he's a scrawny kid or whatever the case. Everybody was looking at the appearance. God looks at the heart. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And one, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Don't think for a moment that the wicked are gaining anything in this world right now. The enemy is defeated. He just likes to roar. He just likes to show off. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. See, believers, we have a responsibility to walk by the spirit that, in, that dwells within us. The responsibility is to walk by faith in his enabling power. In and of myself, I have no power. But through Christ, I have power. We are not to grieve and quench the work of the Spirit. And you say, well, how is that done? How do we quench it? When we stop operating from the base of God's Word and from the power of His Spirit, you know what starts happening? Spiritual decline starts. Listen, if you're not growing, you're dying. Next thing you know, you're so far away from God. You can even come to church and still sit here, hear the message, and be so far away from God. And I don't even realize it. But you go through the motions. I go to church. I go home. I do whatever all week long. I go to church. I go home. I do whatever all week long. I go to church. I go home. And I do whatever. Do whatever. Do whatever. And even in such a state that people may come and they look like it's good. They look like everything is good on the outside. It looks good. But they have forgotten their source. Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You want to get out of trouble? You want to get out of the circumstance? Start allowing the Holy Spirit. I call him my best friend. He's my best friend. I can call on him anytime. He's always there. He's never busy for me. And when I reach out and I say, Holy Spirit, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I need your help. He always guides me. Sometimes it's a little pow pow. And sometimes it's like, come on, let me, let me show you. Come on. But it's always good. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The spirit is willing, but the flesh could take you to dead places. We need to stand firm. Church. Iglesia, that's you. You're the called out ones. You're not called to look like everybody else. It's okay. You're, st you're still trying to fit 
a square peg in a round hole. You're not going to fit. You got to be okay with that. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. That's why, you know, I, I stand up here. I praise God. I worship him all like, ah! and I don't care what I look like. I go in my car. I be praising. People look at me. Yeah. You want some of this? I love him. I love him. What he's done for me. How changed my life. Listen, it's time to stand firm in the faith. What's the faith? Stand in the truth of what you believe. I wrote this down. It is time we stand firm on our faith, on what we believe, be motivated by love, and declare his truth. Faith speaks. Faith speaks. The faith of God is released by what we speak. And we're speaking every day, all day. Look at what Psalm 145 says. Verse 3 and 7, and I'm going to take you then to 10 and 13. But I encourage you, go back and read the whole thing. It says, great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let every generation from the children, come on, to the oldest, tell, you know, tell its children of your mighty acts. Are we telling our children? Our, you know, I, I tell my grandchildren and my grandchild, as little as he is, I declare the word of God. I tell him of the good things that God has done. Tell them of the mighty one. Let, pro, let them proclaim. Let them, us, proclaim of your power. Are you proclaiming about his power or do you proclaim the situation? I will meditate on your, mag- on your majestic, glorious splendor, on your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. All your works, see, his works are motivated in love. And when they're motivated in love, they speak. And all your works will thank you, Lord. And your faithful followers, your faithful followers, any faithful followers in the house, your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. Jesus. They will give examples of your power. Are we going out and giving examples of his power? They will tell about your mighty deeds. Are you telling others what he's done for you? Have you stopped believing that he'll do it again? Why are you not sharing what God has done? Why are you not sharing how he's transformed your life? How can you hold it back? How can you? How can you? How can you? When there's other people dying, there's other people, other people needing what we have, how can we? I'm afraid. What are you afraid about? What are you afraid of? If they reject it, it's not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ.
I will tell them about your mighty deeds, about your majesty and your glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. It's time that we let our faith speak. It's time. And if you don't know, then get to know. Get to know God intimately. Get to know Jesus intimately. Get fall back in love with the word. It's the truth that we need. Can we all just stand for a moment? As I was writing this, I came across something that I want to share with you. This resonated with me because I come from a big military family. My father served and my uncles and my cousins and I still have family right now active in the military. And when I came across this, I said, imagine is as believers if we lived our lives like this. And it was the, the Navy SEALs creed. If you never heard it, I'm, I'm only going to do part of it because it's long. But I, I read it and I said, imagine if us as Christians, teens, listen to this, if we lived this way. If we stop playing church and we be the church. If we start caring about others. Do you know that when you choose not to share, what you're telling people is go to hell? When we do acts and just come to church and not be involved and connect. And what you're, what you're saying is, okay, I'll just come, and, but my life's not going to change. And, and it, you know, stop. I love their creed. And this is what it says. Just with a just listen with ears as if this was someone a christian speaking it says my loyalty to country and team so think of it this way my loyalty to, to christ is beyond reproach i humbly serve as a guardian to my fellow americans always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves i do not advertise the nature of my work nor seek recognition for my actions. I voluntarily accept the, um, the inherent hazards of my profession, placing the welfare and security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield, the ability to control my emotions and my actions regardless of circumstances set me apart from others. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and honor are steadfast. My word is bond. We expect to lead and be led. In the absence of orders, I will take charge, lead my teammates, and accomplish the mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If I knock down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. Imagine if we lived like that. Imagine. If it was so sold out to God. That we were sold out. 
that we would take this gospel everywhere we go. That we would share what he has done. That we would give like nobody's business. That we would serve with all love in our heart. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you have been commissioned. Go read Matthew 28. Go read it. And he wants us to be alive, a church that represents him, a church willing, a, per, a people that says, here, my Lord, send me. I volunteer. I volunteer, God. Oh, but you could lose everything. I don't care. I volunteer, Lord. I want to be the one, one of the ones that are awake and alive and active and doing what you've called me to do, Lord. I volunteer. See, I made that commitment back when I was a teenager. And the enemy tried many times to come against me. He even tried to take my life. But God. And when I mean that, I mean that literally. I was dying in a hospital bed. Because the enemy tried to take me out. But God. And I know that with the call and with, and with, and with, with, with the, the commitment comes a lot that the enemy would try to come. But I always remember this. I win. I win. And people have come against me. And they try to stop my voice. Oh, you're a woman. Women can't preach. Okay, then shut your ears because I have the same living spirit of God living on the inside of me. And the Bible says, no, no, no man after the spirit, after the flesh, but by the spirit. So the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of me. I think I could speak the word of God. And it's okay. Come against me. Come against me if you want. It's okay. I'm going to still be the billboard. I'm going to still speak. I'm going to still preach. I'm going to still do what God's called me to do. I'm going to still clean toilets. I'm going to still scrub floors. I'm going to still put in light bulbs. I'm still going to, I don't care about the stage time. I care about the presence of God. I care about people knowing the truth. I care about people being set free. I care about people knowing the gospel. I care about people. I love people because I love God. And because I know what he's done for me. then I know what he can do for you. And if you find yourself in a situation this morning and you've had no hope, well, I'm here to tell you that there is hope in Christ. And if the church has failed you, and I apologize on behalf of the church. But we are here to love you and serve you. Because there was a man who died that you may live. There was a man that took on sin so that you don't have to. He took on every type of disease, every fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. loves you.
And if he did it for me, he did it for my family, he will do it for you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.